This podcast is made in association with DrunkMummiesSoberMummy.com and Cuppa.community, the free social network for the sober and sober curious. Oh, the kettle's boiled. Great. Perfect timing. Should we get started then? I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Lucy Good. And this is Sober Awkward. Right, Lucy, over to you. Thanks, Vic. So whatever stage you're at on your sober journey, and Vic and I are at completely different stages, you'll know that life without booze can at times feel, what do you reckon? Awkward. Lucy and I invite you to listen to our podcast where we discuss the realities of sobriety, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the cringingly embarrassing. Our honest and open chats will help you discover what it really means to be sober. Yes, we're here like a dodgy bottle of port from your nan's drink cabinet to take the edge off sobriety. And together we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. The ice cream van's here. Do you want anything? Oh, oh ice cream van's pulled up, oh, Lucy. Yeah, 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 definitely. I'll get one of those. Uh, if they've got them, I'll have a raspberry ripple screwball. <laughs> And um, a Mr. Whippy with flake, double, double cone, double flake. Yeah, I'll have a clown face and I want a double cone as well dipped in chocolate. I'll have a slushy and a can of Coke. Do you want a can of Fanta as well, Lucy? Yeah, I will, yeah. All right, yeah, quick, go on, hurry up, Alan. Let's see what happens there. All right, let's get on with this. Oh, it's gone. Oh, for what? fuck's sake, you're joking. He's missed it. <laughs> it didn't stop very long, did it? He should have put his thumb out. Oh, for fuck's sake. No ice oh, creams for us. no. To stick to our Mount Franklins again, Lucy. Oh, that's such a disappointment. Oh, God, bloody No, hell. I don't feel like doing the podcast no, anymore. No, let's not do it. We, haven't, we need fuel. <laughs> sugar, don't we? We need sugar to keep well, us talking. It's such a letdown now, It's such a well. It? I'm used to being let down by him, quite honestly. <laughs> Aren't you by now? Useless. Useless bugger. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I would, we're here in the booth. Of course, as we always are. I just want to tell Lucy about the woman that I met in Kmart this week quickly, Lucy. Yeah. I was so... Um, what's the word? Excited, I guess. I was queuing up in Kmart and the funny thing was I was with my mate Michelle and we were talking about, of all things, Downton Abbey in the queue. You are always talking about Downton well, Abbey. I'm not, I don't know actually. why you make out that you never talk about Downton Abbey. Well, that's the thing. The woman in front of me must have thought, God, fucking hell, doesn't she talk about Downton Abbey all the time? She turned around and said... Are you who I think you are? Are you that like, woman who always talks about Downton Abbey? She's you drunk mummy, sober mummy. I was like, yeah, I am. And that's how she recognised me. She heard my voice talking about... I was actually going to see the new Downton Abbey film with my husband, which was amazing, by the way. It was the most cosiest movie I've ever seen. But yeah, this woman came up to me and that was the first time anyone's ever come up to me in public and gone, I think I know who you are. It was very lovely. And I gave her a nice hug and we had a bit of a chat. And you enjoyed that experience. I did. It being... was nice. I felt... I felt superior. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything worse. No, I know. That's where we differ. It's probably due with low self-esteem. <laughs> for who? For me, I think. <laughs> Not for you. Oh, I don't know. Both have our own issues, Vic. <laughs> yeah. How are you anyway? Yeah, good, thank you. Very well. I'd love to give you something exciting that's happened to me, but nothing has. I'm heading back to the UK for a couple of weeks soon. So I've been head down, bum up, working my arse off good. for uh, like three weeks now and uh, feel a little bit 
boring all up. So it's quite exciting to come out and even more exciting that there was an ice cream van outside. Oh, yeah. How disappointing. Yeah. very, very briefly. I feel sad now a little bit. And um, we just had to quickly tell you that there's been over like 40,000 downloads of the podcast this month. It's just going crazy, isn't it, Lucy? Mm. Um, which, because there's 40,000 listeners, there's now also probably... Another 40,000 listeners who like to tell us where we've gone wrong on the podcast. <laughs> Whereas before, when there was only two people listening. They just sent us nice emails occasionally going, we love you guys. But now every time me and Lucy make a mistake, I get a few bings coming up on my computer saying, you've done this wrong, you've done that wrong. So last week... I named a show which I thought yes. was called The Vigil, but it was actually called The Virtues. So sorry for everybody that had to watch a really long, boring horror series called The Vigil, <laughs> which had nothing to do with alcohol. So I do apologise for that. And I said that uh, Stephen Graham was a, a scouser, I think, and in fact he's a Geordie, or the other way around, one of the two. <laughs> I think he's a, a scouser. And what else did we do wrong? I can't remember. There was a few complaints. <laughs> oh, I think we just mucked some stuff up at the end. Oh, yeah. But we know this is just meant to be a natural chat anyway. So. Yeah, sorry about those guys. We'll try and do better today, won't we, Lucy? Well, we'll try. It doesn't... No promises. No promises, no. <laughs> so what are we talking about? Well, we've got a good topic, actually. Very important. Today, we're going to focus on relapse. Why it happens, ways to avoid it, and how not to feel shame if you have a slip up. Yes, and this podcast today is proudly sponsored by Liars. And listen out for later in the show because we've got a good deal only for our listeners in the UK, actually, Lucy. Oh, okay. Listen out later in the podcast for that. Yeah, so being a drinker can mean you are drenched in shame. We talk about shame a lot, don't we, Lucy? We feel shame for over drinking, shame when hungover, shame at failing at moderation, and then shame for relapsing. Alcohol dunks us in shame like a digestive into a hot cup of tetley and it makes us feel like those soggy bits at the bottom of the mug, all sad, lost and ready for the bin. For many reasons, even though you try and even though you hate it, when you give up alcohol it has a habit of creeping back into your mind. Thoughts of it seep into your soul when you least expect it. Little nudges and voices shoving you towards failure. And before you can say Bob's your uncle and Fanny's your aunt, You're at the bar ordering a pint or pulling into the car park next to the bottle shop and the whole messy pattern starts again. Yes, I know that well. Uh, Booze has an incredible pull, an almost unavoidable lure. It's everywhere you go and because most people can handle a drinky poo or two, you're forced into situations where you feel like the odd one out and are made to feel like your decision to quit is kind of a bit dull and maybe even a bit stupid. I Which still, it isn't. Yeah, it, it isn't, but I generally, that is yeah. how I feel most of the time. You do wonder why you're doing it when you're around a whole load of other people drinking. Yes. Um, until they've drunk too much. And yes. Then you know exactly and they're dull. Why yes, then they it. turn dumb and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, in a situation like that, you could relapse. You start doing the exact thing you're trying not to because it got too hard and too confusing to make such a huge change. Gosh, yeah, it is hard. I mean, it is hard to change something you've always done. Today, we want to dig deeper into the reasons why people go back to drinking after periods of abstinence. Is it due to the boredom, the lack of support, the addiction itself, or the fear of just being yourself and being authentic? We will also find out what are the best ways to avoid relapsing. Is it possible to recognise the advanced warnings and signs? We hope in this episode you will learn to identify the reasons you get pulled back in and be able to circumvent relapses 
when they sneak up and try and bite you on your body. On <laughs> your body. I love the word body. Uh, you can tell you've got young kids. Ooh, my body. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't used that word for ages. <laughs> uh, yes, Vic, I'm excited about this episode, actually. Um, today we are both going to be honest, as we always are, and tell you about the wobbly times we nearly gave into the bottle and how we, with gritted teeth, stopped ourselves which is what made our last attempts at sobriety a success. We also want to let you know that relapse is part of recovery and is nothing to be ashamed of. All that matters is that we are trying, and that's one of our sayings, isn't it, it, Vic? Yes, fucked up and trying to do better. I mean, that's all we can do is try and do better. You're trying to do that every day, every minute, every every day. Be a better parent, be a better cook for my family. (laughs) Failing at that at the moment, everything I seem to cook is... Either burnt. I don't believe that. You're a good cook. I? Don't come around mine recently. You made me mushrooms on toast once. They were amazing. Oh, I did make you nice (laughs) mushrooms on toast, actually. That is true. Uh, That's not really cordon bleu, is it? (laughs) I don't know. I was happy. Easily pleased. Easily pleased. Good. Both Lucy and I had periods of attempting moderation throughout our lives. But since both of us made the final decision to quit, we have not relapsed. But that's not to say we didn't get close or that it won't ever happen. We mean, we hope it won't. We know that booze will be knocking on our front door for the rest of our lives. It really will. But somehow this time round with our sobriety, we both manage not to pick up a drink, which is nothing short of a miracle. So let's start by telling the listeners about the times relapse lurked nearby. When did thoughts of a drink nearly turn our sobriety on its head? Mm. (laughs) Because it's important to talk about that because forewarned is forearmed, isn't it? Yes, very true. When it comes to relapsing. Yeah. Um, And I think for me, uh, the time when I am most likely to relapse is when I'm anxious, stressed, tired or cooking. Oh, yeah. All around my house having something to eat. Um, Yes. Those are all very good reasons. And of course, we feel all of those things that you've just said very often. We do. And I spent 25 years, as you did, Vic, and I'm sure a lot of people listening, every time I felt anxious, stressed or tired, I didn't like the feeling, so I'd pick up a drink. So you've hit it spot on the head there. Like, you know, if you don't like the way you're feeling, in general, no matter what it is, our brains have always been wired to think about alcohol in those situations. It's how we manage. It's how we cope. Yep. It's part of our coping mechanism that we've been doing for such a long time, yeah. for over half of our lives. So we obviously turn to it. And it's really hard when things are, when things are difficult in your life. And there are a lot of moments when <laughs> things are difficult, hmm. especially when you've got kids, yep. teens, um, you know, and, <laughs> that you want to pick up a drink. And, um, you know, but the other thing that I put down is that I feel like a drink at the hardest times in my life when there are problems with the kid and things like that. But I also feel like a drink at the happiest times of my life. So if I'm on holiday and completely relaxed and looking out at a beautiful sunset, I feel like a drink then. So it's kind of the two extremes of life that make me want to drink. Also, (laughs) funny you say that. So you want to drink when you're happy and you also want to drink when you're sad. But then also I used to want to drink when I was in between those two moods, which is all the rest of the time. Yes. So I think there within (laughs) lieth our problem. (laughs) Exactly, yes. But I I suppose those points in between were more manageable. It's when you get those extreme feelings of, I feel really happy, this is a lovely moment, I really need a drink to compliment 
implement it or I'm really, really stressed. I can't cope. I need a drink to cope. Yeah. So I guess for me, it's the two extremes. Um, another one is out socialising. That's a time when it could be really easy to relapse, even if you've got really good intentions. Mm. Last week, I went out for dinner with a friend and we were deep in conversation and she was talking to me and I looked across the restaurant and I saw the waitress walk over with two glasses of red wine on a tray. And my friend opposite me must have seen my eyes just hook onto this tray <laughs> Action and follow now. the waitress across the room. And she turned and looked and she saw what I was looking back and she swung around and looked back at me and she went, look into my eyes. <laughs> she said, she goes, it would taste shit. A yeah. restaurant like this would serve wine that tastes like vinegar. You don't want it. True. And I just sort of snapped out of it and we carried on talking about what we were talking about. So I guess Gosh. having supportive friends with you out whilst you're socialising can be really helpful. But yeah, yeah, you can be perfectly okay and suddenly you see these drinks being carried across yeah. the room and it, it's all you can take. You sometimes just feel like getting up and just grabbing one and downing it. Well, also, relapse could feel like a long time coming, a thing that you feel like creeping up on you all the time. But it also could be a, a momentary decision where you go, oh, fuck this, I'm just going to have a drink. And that, I can understand how that would easily have happened in that situation. Yeah. Exactly. Luckily, I didn't reach out and grab someone else's wine. And I think if I had to, well, my friend would never have allowed me to have yeah, had a drink with prize her. prize it out of your hands. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> the process, by the time I'd actually ordered the drink and it had come to the table, I probably would have gone off the idea. Yeah. Um, something else that really triggers me and makes me feel like I might relapse is when my eldest daughter goes out. Um, yeah. Her and her boyfriend might go out with some mates to a club or even just around to someone's house to have a drink and I can hear them getting ready, making oh, all yes. the arrangements and going out. And I think, oh, I really, I can almost feel my stomach getting that anxious, ner nervous, but exciting feeling that I used to get yeah. before I went out and before I had a drink. But it's her going out and it makes me feel like I really, really want to have a drink. Yeah. Um, so that's the time. Obviously, when I see it on TV, yeah. we talked about that in our last episode, how you can have a glass of or you can have a bottle of wine in the cupboard and you're talking yourself out of it. And then somebody on TV normalizes it. Mm. And so you have a drink because it seems to be OK to do it. And that means it's creeping up at you like subliminally, no matter where you are. Yes. So you could just be sitting watching the telly, minding your own bloody business. And all of a sudden there's someone having a lovely looking sort of glass of wine. And you're like, right, I'm going to relapse now. <laughs> yeah, if she's having one, I'm having one. Yeah, it's just an excuse really at the end <laughs> yeah. of the day, isn't it? All oh, right, that person on the telly is having one. I'm going to have one. I'm allowed one if she's It's kind of one. weak, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> We're weak. I think we've we discovered are weak. that. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that's a really bad one, seeing it on TV. I mean, we've talked about it. It's so difficult. Um, and, and another time when you could relapse is when you start to question whether you can moderate. After a year and a half, I still question it. Could mm. I go back and moderate, drink moderately now? Mm. I know I couldn't. But sometimes I question whether I could. And you're, you're four years, Vic. Do you sometimes think that you could moderate? I know I couldn't, but obviously that, that does pop into my mind occasionally. Um, I just know that I could never go back there. But at the same time, you know, it doesn't mean to say we don't think about these things. You know, we're not perfect. So things like that do pop into my mind, especially when I'm seeing them all over the place and I'm out with friends and everybody's drinking. I mean, you can't not think about that. It does cross my mind, but I'm, I'm strong enough now and confident enough in my sobriety just to let that feeling go. 
So it's what, part of it. But when we talk about moderation, I suppose we might think to ourselves, look, I'm going to start drinking again, but moderate. Yeah, no. But that's relapse, isn't that it? That is relapse. That is exactly what we're talking about. I mean, and also now I see the bigger picture with alcohol. So it's not about me thinking like daydreaming about one glass of wine and whether I could moderate. I know the impact alcohol has on culture and society and individuals and communities. I've done my work. Do you know what I mean? I know what the impact of alcohol is on, on the world. So therefore... I shouldn't ever go back because I know that, but that still doesn't stop me going, oh, I wonder if I could just have one. <laughs> yeah, so if you went back to moderate, it would be like a controlled relapse because you know you're yeah. doing it. Like we often think of It'd a relapse as, as a sudden moment in time. Yeah. I just pick up a drink and drink it. Damn, I've relapsed. I yeah. didn't mean for that to happen. But you can also have a planned relapse. Yes. Like I'm going to try and gonna go, I'm going to go back to drinking and I'm going to try and moderate. Mm. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. It's still a relapse. Yeah. And me and Lucy hear from people all over the world every day. And we know that relapse is basically going back to drinking. It's not like a momentary blip. You go back and you start drinking again and you're in the same position you were a year ago or 10 weeks ago or however long you've tried to be sober for. So there, it never, ever, I've never heard of anyone in my entire life who has been a big drinker, given up, relapsed, and then been okay suddenly and, and been a, 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 well, a good drinker it who can happen. handle it. It doesn't happen. <clears throat> no. It doesn't happen. You're a problem drinker. Once a problem drinker, always a problem drinker. Yeah, you gave up say. for a reason. Exactly. Yeah, so dating you've put there, Lucy. Oh, yeah, dating's one for me. I often think I don't know how I could possibly go on a date if I haven't had a drink. Yeah. In fact, I'll be honest. I won't go on a date and yes, I ha- unless I have a drink, which I'll means I'll you probably... <laughs> what with Alan? <laughs> no, he's married, unfortunately. Or fortunately. Oh, he's just looked in the I window. Could, I could practice with him. <laughs> he looks like the eagle out of Sesame Street with the grumpy face leaning what, in the window. The thought of going on a date with me. Yeah, he just made a disgusted look. <laughs> How offensive. You see, this is why I need alcohol yeah. in order to go on a date. Because yeah. I need to be numbed out yeah. to being rejected. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I I really could not go on a date with a complete stranger mm. um, and uh, completely sober, certainly not now. So I often think, well, I'll have to have a drink to do that. Yeah. That would be a planned relapse. I'm so you'd have rather probably never have sex again, wouldn't you? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah. That is the truth of it, yeah. You will get to a point, Lucy, where I'm sure you will have a date. It might be four years, it might be two, but I think they'll there'll be... There'll be someone out there who will accept this. <laughs> Some poor soul. I'm pointing at her up and down <laughs> saying this, this. What about you, Vic? What are the kind of things that make you feel like you might relapse? I think the nearest thing I've ever been is very similar to your fr- you and your friend going out for dinner. Sometimes my husband will have a cold beer sitting on the side. I could just pour it out after a long day. And I feel like my hand out of my control is going to suddenly push out from my body and I'm going to grab it and down it in one. Because when I look at a beer, I don't think, or any drink actually, I don't think about sipping it. I don't think about, you know, sitting with my pinky finger sticking out like something out of the great Gatsby and sitting all politely and sophisticated. I just think about getting it down my neck as fast as I possibly can. (laughs) And I often see see his beer there and I'm like, oh God, I could just whack that down my throat and nobody would know. Like he'd go out of the room and I'd be like, oh, I could do that. But I know the you know, the consequences of that for me would be huge, but it doesn't stop me thinking about it. I mean, when you look at the beer taps in pubs, they've all got condensation on them. Oh, and that's cold. for They're a all reason, isn't nowadays, it? They do it? They do it so that you're tempted because it's that cold, that's, yeah. that quenching the thirst. Yeah. It, 
it's no wonder that you feel like grabbing his pint no. and drinking it at times. I mean, it's all a fallacy, though, to lead us into the alcohol, isn't it? All of those things, the bright lights of the bar, the music, the ambience, they're all, you know, if you're a non-drinker, all of those things are designed to make you relapse, yeah, quite honestly. They are. Um, when I don't feel listened to, so we're talking about those strong emotions again, Lucy, as a mum, sometimes I feel invisible because no one listens to me. Like, my kids don't listen to me. My husband doesn't listen to me sometimes. Nobody listens to me and I feel like I'm invisible. And that makes me feel a bit annoyed and therefore that is something that could make me possibly want to relapse again. It hasn't so far. And also the other thing that really annoys me is when like, I meet someone for the first time and literally I will know everything about that person within five minutes of meeting them because I'm like, hello, where are you from? What have you been doing? What's your husband do? Da, 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 da. And I just go on and on and on, probably because I'm nervous and I haven't got a drink in my hand. <laughs> and then they ask me nothing in return. Yeah. Like, I am a, just a blob of nothing. You're so uninteresting. They have absolutely no interest in asking I, I you know any question. who their fucking I... dog's tennis partner is. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you can ask me a question. And sometimes I do feel invisible and that makes me feel really anxious. Because I'm like, oh God, maybe I really am invisible. Maybe I'm pointless. And that's something that triggers me a little bit. Because I just you, feel, oh you... fuck, I get that fuck this yeah. sort of switch flicking in my brain and go, oh, what's the point? Interestingly, I was at one of the sober events that you organised, Vic, and I was talking to a lady there around about our age and she was saying how as a, a middle-aged woman you're just pretty much invisible nowadays because when we were younger we used to be able to catch the attention of bartenders and anybody really um, if we wanted to and then as you grow older certainly as a woman people just look through you they're just not interested in you as much and it's really annoying but that infuriates you so much does does it Vic that you think I'm just gonna have a drink I want to say look I'm interesting I've ridden bloody camels through the Sahara for fuck's sake (laughs) yeah but no one's interested no one we don't want to hear about it and I don't like feeling like no one cares about me yeah (laughs) fair enough but I have ridden a fucking camel through the fucking (laughs) Sahara I'm not interested (laughs) oh don't get the hump oh dear that was bad um house music we've talked about that before Lucy house music I've written there Josh Wink a higher state of consciousness do you remember that one yeah definitely remember it Mm. Oh my god! Drive me crazy now! Oh my god! It would drive me crazy now, but for some reason it would it probably give me still a terrible headache. Drink. I'd be relapsing at this. I have to go and turn that off if somebody ever plays that near me. Um, the thought, um, imagining a whole life with alcohol without alcohol, mm. does almost make me probably want to re- relapse. The thought of my daughter getting married, and you know, that's the key: is to not drink, not think too far ahead, isn't it, Lucy? In this game. Um, that whole why can't I when everyone else can, maybe I should try, you know, my mind being tricked into drinking again. Because sometimes, you know, if you're feeling low, if you're feeling tired, it, this sobriety path can feel like a real uphill struggle some days because you're the one swimming against, you know, the flow of the river. You're like the salmon swimming in the wrong direction. And it can feel like everything's against you. And that in itself is is real triggery. Um, yeah, so you might feel that you can't be bothered to do this anymore. And of course, because we've both been big drinkers, I think there's a sense that probably you and I have always been, a, you know, had a slight rebellious side to us. I've always been slightly rebellious. And I still have that within my personality. It is a trait of mine. And I think that trait sometimes kicks in and makes me want to drink because I'm like, this is boring. Why am I always trying to be this bloody perfect, authentic person? Whereas, in fact, I just want to go and run down the street naked and, and down shots of Sambuca. Or just so, do something outrageous. Just do something outrageous. Yes. Now the craziest thing I do is drive the wrong way around a car park. <laughs> <laughs> you wild thing. 
I did drink a cup of tea and I left the tea bag in it. (laughs) Crazy I have to admit, it wasn't until I got to the bottom of the tea, I saw that it was there. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to leave it in there. Oh, my God. That is mental. There you go. Yeah. She's really living the life now, Lucy, aren't you? I know. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes you just feel like, oh, God, I can't be bothered with this anymore. Um, Yeah, so that's pretty much my things. Yeah. And, I mean, I think at four years as well, Vic, when you, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to have been sober for four years. Well, you're getting there, Lucy, you, honestly. Well, yeah, but you change a lot in those four years. You must think to yourself, look, I'm a different person to who I was four years ago when I gave up. Maybe this person who I am now is able to moderate. Mm. So I almost think it would be harder at the I stage you that mean. you're at, at four yeah. years. I'm only a year and a half, so I'm like, I know I can't. It's mm. really quite recent. But at four years, you might be thinking, look, I'm different now. I might be able to do it. Yeah, the thought, of course, it does cross my mind, but I, I can't. I know I can't. I think about those things. It's like a fantasy and it comes into mm. my brain and I force it out again because I know that I can't. And also, I do this fucking podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I write about sobriety all the time. Like, what level of accountability is that? If I go back to drinking now... You're letting the world down, I'm letting, Yeah. Yeah, I won't have anyone in Kmart coming up to me then, will I? They'd be like dragging me down to the rehab centre. Yeah, and I don't think I could sit in this booth with a hangover. Oh, God, I couldn't either. It'd be boiling hot. It? <laughs> it's like my friend who, who was hungover dressed up as the Pilbury Doughboy. Oh, dear. She had a gig, a work gig, and she had this massive inflatable dough and suit. She was hung- that makes me feel sick. She was actually retching. My mate yeah. Harriet, hello, Harriet. She was retching inside the yeah. suit. She had to walk all around all day as the Pillsbury Doughboy. Look up the Pillsbury Doughboy and you see how awful it is. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so all, rap- all, all relapses start with a trigger, then a thought, then a craving, then the actual consumption of alcohol. But let's take a deeper look and identify all of the reasons within that pattern so you can see why and how sobriety sometimes gets rocky. Mm. So the first one is the withdrawal. So if you are a very heavy drinker, of course, alcohol is an addictive drug. So there could be a chance that you're physically addicted to alcohol, of course, rather than mentally. So if you give up alcohol, the main reason to relapse is because you're going to be feeling like shit. I mean, you'd be having the shakes. You know, some people get hallucinations. If you're a really extreme drinker who's drinking morning till night, there is going to be some really difficult repercussions if you give up drinking. So, of course, that is going to lead you to relapse because sometimes the drink is the only thing that's going to make you feel better. And that's, you know, if you're a big drinker, sometimes people are using the drink just to feel well, like a heroin addict is just to to get yourself up to a point where you can function properly because your body's got so used to having the drug in it. Um, Yeah, so... So just the withdrawal from drinking can cause you to relapse. Yeah, and even if you're not that bad that you're having physical withdrawals, it could be just that you've got a really horrible hangover and you want hair of the dog. Yeah. But you've just got to, to get past that stage, haven't you? Yeah, and that so, might take a, a medical detox yes. or a visit to a doctor, all those things. So we're talking about different levels of drinking here, of course, and some of these might work for you and some of them might not. And then on top of that, which is the physical side of it, you've got the mental health. So numbing out past trauma, alcohol is like putting a Band-Aid on a severed limb, doesn't do much good. Um, The escape from mental and emotional pain might be brief. But if you're suffering, alcohol can feel like the only relief. So, of course, you relapse um, and basically you do it to avoid mental torment. So that's the emotional withdrawal that we talked about in addition to the physical withdrawal. Yeah, and for some that would be more. Like if you're not physically addicted, you're mentally addicted, that emotional withdrawal is going to be harder. 
um, people like, you know, what Lucy and I have been talking about here is everything around us can make us want to relapse. So it could be individuals like your neighbours, your former drug dealer, a family member, big drinkers like Lucy and I. We always surrounded ourselves with like like minded individuals. So we were always amongst people that were drinking, which is probably why we don't go out for much anymore or get invited (laughs) anywhere. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, people can be a huge trigger for a relapse because they're going to make you want to drink and you'll want to fit in again because in sobriety you do feel soberly awkward. So, yeah, that can be a good reason to relapse. We've actually done a whole podcast about it. What was it called? I can't remember. People power or something like that? Oh, yes. How people hinder and help your sobriety. Yes. So sometimes you do have to change everything about your life, including the people that you hang out with. Yes, it's a lot. Um, And then on top of people, you've got situation and places. So things like work functions, bars, sports events, wineries, boozy parties, even play dates with other parents and their kids are some of the places that individuals in recovery from alcohol may want to avoid. I mean, that's quite a lot, isn't it? It's everywhere. (laughs) Even the setting of the fucking sun can cause a relapse because we're used to having a glass of wine when the sun sets. Yeah. Um, And I guess that's why I stay at home so much with the curtains closed. Yeah. Because it's just easier. (laughs) We're not selling it here, are we? Our advice to you is stay Home. Close the curtains, curtains. Hide in. Uh, get a box don't and talk, hide in a don't box. Don't talk to anybody. Cut some little eye holes out <laughs> and just move around in your house inside a box and then you won't feel like relapsing. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, that's the best way to do it. Not really, that's everybody. Do not do that. But I mean, in all, in all seriousness, it is a lot of the reason that I stay at home because yeah. we live in a booze-soaked world. I don't feel like I'm part of it. I'd actually rather stay at home. I don't do it in a depressing way. No, you do it full of joy at I, I'm home. happy to yeah. stay at home because I don't really want to go out tonight with my friends because I don't want to be in a drinking environment. I don't want to be in a place that triggers me and I don't want to be around people who are going to tell me I should have a drink. So I will stay in and that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's whatever suits you. I mean, if you're confident enough to go out with friends who are still drinking, well, that's brilliant too. If you can do that and you feel strong, then do that. It's just whatever works for you. That's what we're saying. Like Some of these things might work, some might not. Another thing is things actually things are things. <laughs> so, I always so say things places are. people and now things so just to really cut off yeah. anything that could be good in our lives yeah. take it all away from us so we don't relapse yeah take everything <laughs> away from your life glasses clinking bottles popping cans opening may trigger an alcoholic to think about alcohol I mean, like credit cards and straws that may trigger a cocaine addict you know it's all that paraphernalia of drinking and that culture isn't it around you is going to make you want to drink um, I used to have a drinking hat, which I don't have anymore. I used to have different drink little hats that I used to wear. Like I used to have my whiskey hat and my beer drinking hat. It's, I don't know why. So it wasn't <laughs> like the odd. sorting hat that said no. what you had to drink next. No, it was just it was just I was drunk and liked wearing hats. <laughs> I used to have a friend actually who used to wear a velvet jacket when he was drinking pims. Everyone's got their little drinking paraphernalia, haven't they? The things they do with alcohol, and I definitely had a few of those. Yeah, but. You know, they never lasted. There's always vomit down my velvet jacket by the end of the night. <laughs> well, I suppose there are things like hats and jackets, but there's also the obvious thing. Something that I got rid of in my house is the wine glasses. Yeah. And I know I put it on your group at the time, Vic, and we were having a conversation about how we can go out and buy different types of glasses yeah. for our soft drinks or nice mugs. And you and I have got a bit of a thing about mugs to drink our tea out of. Yeah. I didn't get rid of the wine glasses altogether. I put them in a box downstairs in the cupboard. And if my daughter wants to have a glass of wine, then she'll get the glass 
out. Mm. Um, but yeah, it did help because they were using up half the cupboard, my yeah. wine glasses. <laughs> yeah. And if you're not going to use them anymore and you're probably going to look at them every day when you reach out to get a cup of a mug for your cup of tea, it's best to get rid of them. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so all of those things, you know, don't buy tickets to the to the raffle at the pub or things like that because you always win booze or the, yes. I won a, a fate thing, like a esky full of booze recently at the school fate. Did you? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I was giving it away to everyone. I was like, oh, typical, I've won the bloody esky of booze. <laughs> did they not know you were a teetotal? Gosh, how did they not know? I'm famous, Lucy. People recognise me in the street. <laughs> but not at the school fate, evidently. No. Um, there's also the lack of self-care which we've talked about before that I'm not worth happiness cycle and it's crushing and it definitely can make us want to guzzle a drink even as a form of self-harm um look you know I don't like myself and I feel shit so I'm going to punish myself by pouring this poison into my body yeah I totally understand that if you feel like shit and you don't care about yourself then what would be the point in stopping so that you you, you could never stop you're always going to be in a constant relapse cycle if you feel shit about yourself if if you're doing it as self-harm you're actually getting more pleasure from drinking even more pleasure because you're doing yourself harm self-flagellation I think it's called isn't it yeah um, relationships and sexy time. Um, if an individual is not in an intimate relationship when they quit booze, as you were talking about, Lucy, mm. the dating scene, it's encouraged to stay out of the scene for several months or even a year. Having a broken heart and being conscious of your body, two major things that are going to happen in a relationship, they could be prolific reasons why you might oh, relapse. Yeah, they really are. I think that's right up there, Vic, that one. And because, you know, heartbreak or anything like that oh, is so difficult emotions to deal again. with. Yeah. Or rejection. I know we were laughing about it earlier, but you go on an online dating app. We laugh at rejection. And it is, oh, the, the, the kind of rejection you get on those. I haven't done it myself, but I speak to other people. You've just got to be so prepared for yeah. one rejection after another and usually in quite a blasé manner. And it can just make you feel awful. And if you're trying not to drink at the time, you're putting yourself in really dangerous ground. And it sort of takes us on to our next one, which is about being overconfident. So, you know, going dating too early, it could be that you're being a little bit overconfident. Um, Believe it or not, you can be overconfident when you get sober. And Vic admits to that. It means you might put yourself in a risky situation to show off your strength. And that can be dangerous. (laughs) Look how sober I am. Look at me (laughs) dancing on the dance floor, doing all these moves with no alcohol in my body. (laughs) Look at me go. Uh, Being overly cocky about sobriety might lead you back to the bottle. So don't throw yourself into situations that might be too much. Yeah, I mean, I was guilty of that stuff. Do you remember I used to go out and put this big grin on my face and pretend Mm. I was the same person that I used to be? I used to pretend to be drunk when I was sober because I was still in that stage where I thought that was expected of me. And I used to come, I know, it's so silly, I don't do it anymore. I did it when we were doing this podcast still, I was doing it, when, I, when we started this mm. yes, a year ago. Yes, I know. Ago. I remember you having yeah. an issue with it yeah, and we were talking about how it. you were going to overcome yeah, this problem that you had. I just thought that's what people wanted from me. So I'd go out and be like, hey, look, I'm still crazy and I've got funny stories because I still wanted people to like me. But the longer I've gone on with my sobriety, the less I care whether people like me or not. And they don't. So yes. <laughs> I'm okay with well, that. Well, it's whatever, isn't it? It's, you really want yeah, those whatever. people who like you so, but they're the people that you're going to spend your time with now anyway so it's a good way of finding the right people for you I know that even in my first few months of sobriety I was going out with my friends for boozy lunches and things like that and that was in the first three 
few months. And I'm not quite sure why I did it. But I think, yes, it was a matter of proving I can do this. But then I thought, I'm actually not enjoying it. Yeah. I, I don't need to prove anything. I don't really want to go for the boozy lunch. Boozy lunches without booze are pretty crap. <laughs> So we just go for morning tea, don't we, Lucy? That's much yeah. better. Cucumber sandwiches, nice cup of tea, no boozy bollocks talking and yeah. people being weird. Suits us down to the ground. Suits nice us. piece of cake. Lovely bit of cake. Yeah, lovely. Um, bored and lonely we have here. These have nearly tipped me over a few times, honestly, Lucy. Mm, yeah. Boredom and isolation could easily be listed as the number one reason for relapse. What do you do to avoid it? Uh, well, I just get bored. Yeah, you allow it. No, I, I, no, but there's something to be said for allowing no, yourself to be bored. Well, it's an interesting question because I don't really do anything. I've just reframed boredom, and we talked about yes. that in the last one as well. It's what was boring before is now actually a really peaceful, enjoyable time for me. Mm. So I don't really worry about it too much. But it does take a while to get used to having that space in your life and using that space for peace. I mean, that's all we really want, isn't it, out of life is peace and quiet. Yeah. That's and all I want. That's all I want too. And because you've been obsessed with alcohol for so long, you've been thinking about it all the time, suddenly you've got all this space in your brain and in your life to think about something else. And that probably would make you feel a bit isolated and lonely and the beginning because you do feel like the odd one out yeah but what we're saying is far further down the line those are the things that make it all so worthwhile yeah it is and in the early days some people make huge life-changing decisions in the first year um, and it can be too much so it's important to take it slowly early sobriety is a vulnerable stage it's shaky ground so don't overstretch yourself as you know it can lead to relapse can't mm, it definitely and then of course, there's the memes, the alcohol advertising, the movies, the adverts, and the rest of the blatant pushing of alcohol subliminally down our throats. Let's face it, reasons to relapse are extremely hard to sidestep. <laughs> they are. Oh, yeah. I think we've made it sound worse. Yeah. We've, well, we haven't done it. So, no, not it this sounds time. awful, but we haven't done it. So, it can't. We, it is possible to not yes. relapse. That's what I, I and say. maybe it is being aware of these things that's yeah. helped us not to do it. Definitely. Yeah. It's why sobriety has to come from you so what we're saying here all of these things can be going on around you the glass is clinking the situations the places the people the relationships all of those things can be going around going on around you but it's up to you whether you choose to tune into them I think isn't it Lucy it's up to you to decide sobriety has to come from your heart from your soul and you have to know that you're doing the right thing when you're doing it. If, you, if you're if you shaky and, and unsure whether you're doing the right thing, then those things are going to be a huge influence on you. But if you're strong in your sobriety and you really drum it into yourself that this is what I want, this is what I want for the rest of my life, then all of those points are going to be a lot easier to avoid. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's hard, Vic. It really is. People, places, things, mental health issues. Yeah, everything. <laughs> and everything. And this is all for the rest of our lives. Yeah, the world around us isn't going to change, but it might change a bit. We're hoping that sobriety will get bigger, and I'm, yeah. it already is, isn't it? Um, no wonder people relapse, and that we have in the past when we've tried to give up, um, but not this time. Um, and also, people choose never to leave their homes, such as myself. <laughs> yeah. um, our old lives are jumping out like evil jack, uh, crack, cackling jack in the boxes at every turn. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it, Lucy? Because those 12 points do sort of, you know, you can, you can understand why people relapse from listening to those. But, you know, even though people quite fancy a bevy, 
Sometimes they don't. But how? How do we both avoid breaking open the drinks cabinet and downing its contents in one massive gulper's gulp? How do we do it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, I haven't always done it. I will say this for me, certainly this attempt at sobriety has been a success, but I've had many fails attempts where I've relapsed. Um, but that just goes to show that you can relapse and you can still get a success afterwards. Yes, That's true. a really good, good point. message. So anyone yeah. who relapses doesn't mean it's the end of it just keep going you will get there um for me i think one of the worst things about relapsing would be putting my little app on my phone back to day number one my app is called done i'm done drinking drinking. yes mine's the same yeah Yes, you told me about that one. And yeah. I love it. I love looking at it every now and then. I don't look at it religiously every day to see how many hours I've done yeah. anymore. Minutes. But, you know, I'd hate to put that back to number one. I'm doing really well. It's only a little thing, but it would mean a lot. So those apps are really cool. They really help you. Um, I think the other thing that I would really stops me relapsing is the thought of the hangover and the oh, anxiety, yes. Vic. Yeah. Oh, dear. I just even you talking about your friend just now in that hot suit. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> I, I started sick. to feel sick. Yeah. I'm, it's the hangover for me too. Oh. Like going back there would just be men it's like self-torment like I couldn't do it to myself nothing is worth it nothing at all um, you know, just knowing that if you have a drink it never ends well you're saying Vic play the tape forward always yeah. do that you might have one drink and it feels really good the second drink not as good and it's all downhill from there mm. for me as well I suffered from depression because alcohol is a depressant so I don't want to go back there no. I don't want to be depressed again no that's enough on its own, isn't it? One reason. I don't need any others. That's a reason not to relapse. And just look around you as well. You know, know that life is better when you don't drink. Um, I look around myself and I see that my kids are happy. They're not heavy drinkers. I'm amazed. I think maybe they got mixed up at birth. Mm. I can't believe they're so sensible with alcohol. Um, And my business is going well. My house is clean and all my plants are alive. Yeah, but have you been recognised in the street, Lucy, by a stranger? No, thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to bring that up as often as I can. Oh, maybe someone else will recognise it. You know it was a setup. I just yeah. got someone to do it because I knew it would make you so happy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Another thing that stops me picking up a drink, um, if I really feel like one, is what the hell is in it? True. I mean, we never really question that, do we? Just get it down our necks. Yeah. yeah. I don't, all I cared was that it was had a high content of alcohol yeah. and it was going to make me feel what I thought was good in the moment. But now, I mean, it's a reason that I wouldn't touch class A's or anything like that. It's like, what's in them? You know, yeah. it's just really weird that I was ever putting this stuff into my body. Yeah. You feel quite pure when you're sober. Definitely. You haven't put all these things into your body that are contaminating yeah. you and all these toxins. So when you think about what's actually in that alcohol, what are you putting in your body, that actually puts me off. Another reason, a really big reason for not relapsing is letting people down. My dad, Vic, my kids, really important. Everyone who listens to this podcast, the podcast would have to end if we started drinking again, Vic. I don't know. It'd be a good episode, though. Oh, it would. Could you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Imagine us dragging oh, each know. other into the booth. Well, it, it would be <laughs> actually very sad. It would be a horrible episode to do because we would both feel absolutely traumatised if one of us started drinking again, wouldn't we? We would. Yeah. We really would. And the funny thing is, is we didn't know each other as drinkers. Even no. though we, the weird thing in our relationship is we used to hang out in all the same places in the UK and our drinking habits were really similar. We turned out we actually know some of the same people. Yeah. Lucy knows the guy that I was with when I blew my finger off with a firework. 
from the millennium life. We worked that out. Yeah. Yeah. We've got very parallel lives, haven't we? Yeah, but we've never actually sat down and had a drink together. And I think it would kind of be like... It would be weird. It would be like tectonic plates moving. It would would be like the (laughs) The end of everything. The earth would move for us. Yeah, it'd be awful. (laughs) It would be the beginning of the end, I think, wouldn't it? It would be. Yeah, so play it forward. Play it forward, guys. (laughs) Um, But the other thing that's something that really helps, as well as all the things I've mentioned are thoughts, you know, thought of the hangover, thought of how my life would go downhill, the thought of how I'd let people down. But it's also about having those practical tools that stop me relapsing. And those are finding little diversions and not necessarily hobbies or study and things like that that we've talked about that perhaps fill in the gaps that we used to call boredom. But little things that you can do when you're really desperate. And I actually wrote an article for Kappa about this. So, you know, if you're sitting at home on your own and there is wine in the house or the off-license or bottle down the road is open and you're really desperate for a drink, you've got to have some little tools to hand to stop you going and getting that drink and they might be as simple as you know getting out of your own head going for a walk going to the ice cream shop buying a massive ice cream phoning up a friend getting out the knitting needles and and stabbing someone with them (laughs) don't know whatever it is no have some things to hand some tools if you feel like you're going to pick up a drink that is really good what about you Vic yeah for me you know I understand now that puking on a stranger's living room floor isn't better than me waking up feeling happy because that's the why did it take so long to... I don't know it's taken me 25 years to understand that what I was doing actually wasn't making me happy it was just making me feel like shit all the time yeah. and people thought I was a total nut job so just looking back on all those years is enough to not make me relapse of all my behaviours my children of course are my why so I just have to look at them even though they annoy the bloody hell out of me I still see them as my reason why to never, ever drink again. And it's important to focus on these things, like you say. You know, really ingrain them into you rather than the alcohol. Ingrain the good things and say, right, these are my reasons why and this is why I will never do this again. And you need to pull them into yourself in these moments of need. Um, Of course, all the hard work that I've done to get to this point would be a reason not to relapse. Oh, you know, over 1,500 days on my app already. That's why those counters are good, Lucy. Again, thinking about the anxiety, I couldn't put myself through a hangover. I would literally be knocking on the door of a mental institution if I had anxiety again. I do not feel like I would survive it, Mm. honestly. Um, Yeah, so now it's like trying to focus on those positive things and remember those and those distractions. Turn the kettle on, as you say, have a cup of tea, have a slice of cake get some chocolate go for a walk all of those things are so good and of course what I've said is this accountability of the job that I'm doing now you know it's a Mm full-time job being a being a superstar of course (laughs) I can well imagine Vic you know exhausting on every level flying off the paparazzi at every turn you mean Kmart yeah Kmart That's paparazzi. Isn't what were it? you buying in Kmart again? What were you buying when you were when you were discovered by a fan, like a bog brush or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. So accountability is a good one. No matter what you do, if you make your account yourself accountable to one person, that can sometimes be enough to stop you reaching for that drink. And also finding other drinks to look forward to. That's always a good thing. You know, find your new alcohol-free favorite bevy. You know, we had heaps normal, didn't we, that time? That was a good one. Um, 
And also, of course, liars who sponsor the podcast have some amazing alcohol-free drinks. And actually, good time to talk about this, Lucy. We have a special treat for our listeners based in the UK, courtesy of Liars, our favourite supplier of non-alcoholic drinks. When you subscribe to the Liars newsletter, you'll get a free, yes, Lucy, that is free, free 700 milliliter bottle of their signature coffee, original non-alcoholic spirit. Yep, that is right. Totally free. Just go to liars.co.uk forward slash offer forward slash sober awkward and fill in the short form to get the code to redeem your free bottle. Be quick, though. This offer is only available while stocks last and you don't want to miss out on those delicious alcohol-free espresso martinis available to UK residents only at liars.co.uk. So, yes, yeah, sorry to everybody else, but that is just for our UK friends. I'm not in the slightest bit worried. I'm going back to the UK soon. Oh, so yeah, can you I... can order it. It'll be <laughs> there when you get there. Not only that, I'm going to be there for the Queen's Jubilee. Oh, gosh, which will so be a I huge boozy event. So I can get some liars yes, get to some enjoy liars. with the Queen's Jubilee oh, over in the UK. Although That's you did idea. say you have to be a UK resident. Do you well, think you could just use know. your dad's address. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fine. Oh, sh- don't tell them. Sh- yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we can wangle a freebie for you, Lucy. A picture of you in your Jubilee dress. Yeah, well, I... <laughs> well, I was a bit worried about that. You know, that's a typical event. Yes, yeah, so uh, I, I was talking good. to my cousin who's in the UK and we suddenly realised I was going to be there for the Jubilee and we got very excited. She was saying there's street parties, everyone's organising something. You know, it's a real vibe over there. You can imagine what it would mm. be like, Vic, over there. We do get quite yeah. excited. And look, I'm not a massive royal lover, but I love the Queen. I think yeah. she's done a marvellous job. Oh, my look God. I'm, I'm go. not going to get involved in this conversation. Oh, she's just worked so hard and she's so oh, sweet. Really? She's so sweet. Oh, I'm, no I comment. look at her and I think, God, you've done a good job. You've worked so hard all of your life. And um, so I'm just hoping she lives long enough to see it. I mean, I know it's only in a couple of weeks, but it's all looking she's a bit shaky there. Yeah. But no, there's always a really good feeling with stuff like that in the UK. Everyone gets very excited. Yeah. But of course, there is going to be a big drinking culture and everyone's oh, they'll probably going to be wheel out, out partying. They'll probably wheel out old Paul McCartney, won't they? Oh, yeah, I'm sure they for will. For a bit yeah. of um, La Hey Jude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they'll get Elton John for sure. Of course, yeah. They always wheel them out, don't they, yeah, for, for yeah. a celebration. You've got to get into it. <laughs> yeah. But I'm tempted just to go into my dad's house and shut all the doors and close the curtains. <laughs> I'm not sure which way I'm going to go with it, but I'll let you know. Oh, come on, Lucy. We're relying on you. We want the photos <laughs> of you in your fancy hat. In my finery. With your live cocktail mocktail <laughs> thing yeah We're, we are i'm begging for a picture of you on okay that i shall try and do it please but yeah but let's be honest lucy keeping sober forever can seem very fucking hard being the best version of yourself gets a bit wanky and self-righteous i definitely <laughs> feel like that quite a lot quite honestly um i know i feel like a smug idiot sometimes banging on about being sober and staying sober and you know for a lifetime it can feel an uphill slog I'm naturally rebellious, so my noise, like if I hear someone talking about alcohol, I do lean in. Um, I want to kind of act out my naughty side quite a lot. And I do feel myself tuning into those words which are like, come on, one won't hurt or it's awake after all. (laughs) (laughs) No matter how good I've been or how long I've abstained, the chance of relapse lingers. So what if it does happen? How does it feel? And is it possible to see it just as a blip? Oh, I don't know. I mean, how would you feel, Vic, if you had to tell John today that you'd started drinking again? Imagine if you got in tonight and said, look, Luce brought some beers and we just tucked into them. How would that go down? I cannot imagine 
Like, it, I could not call that a blip, honestly. That is not like a blip. That is like an asteroid coming out <laughs> of the sky and... With a load of bom- beer cans. Well, yeah, with a load of beer cans behind it, bombarding my life and destroying yeah. it. Because that is against everything that I've worked to do. So I can imagine why people feel shame about it. Because if I did that, it would be against everything. It would be that I didn't care about my children anymore. I didn't care about him anymore. That I was prepared to risk my mental health. It would be so huge really thinking about that moment and having to admit to it to somebody that I loved that I'd failed so dramatically. It would be absolutely awful. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, yeah, and I feel the same. You just feel that let down. And I think because we've both been so vocal about it and yeah. how how good it is yeah. being sober. Wouldn't we look so stupid? Yeah, We'd look God. like right wallies we if we started like drinking right wallies, again. wouldn't we? So there is this drama involved with relapse, isn't there, Lucy? Like it does feel like a really dramatic thing. Um, and it could feel like a huge fuck up if you do do it. I would feel that too. Um, it's not like a tinsy wincy bump in the road, no. but could it be seen as that? Uh, I think we're going to discuss quickly, Lucy, some ways of making relapse feel less overwhelming and less dramatic. Are there ways that we can feel that? Yeah, because we don't want to sort of minimise the feeling of relapse. Relapse is not a good thing. We don't want people to do it. I mean, everyone says that relapse is part of the recovery journey. And yes, we know that it is. But you don't have to have a relapse. In fact, it's better if you don't have one. Um, But adding too much to relapse and making too much drama around it can actually make it a bigger thing than it needs to be and it can delay you getting back onto the sobriety path so I guess we've just got some ideas here of how to make it feel less overwhelming so Mm. that we can just deal with it and then try again and hopefully not do it as well of course like not to not have a relapse is going to be the best path to be on yeah, you don't have to have a relapse no, and to actually, get sober. No, and somebody emailed me this week through Instagram because I was talking about relapse on there and they said, when will I relapse? He was like 30 days sober. And I said, you don't have to. No. He felt like, because everyone's talking about it being part of the sobriety journey, everybody does it. I haven't relapsed. I said to him, I have never relapsed. I knew I did the work. I did the therapy. I put everything in place for me not to relapse. And I haven't. Um, and I said to the guy, you don't, it doesn't have to be part of your journey. You don't have to relapse. And it's obviously going to be better if you don't. So we want to make that clear. If you feel like relapsing, you know, try not to. That's going to be the best journey for you. Yeah, try not to do it. But if you do relapse, rather than go into a massive hole of yeah, like, like self-loathing yeah. and like you're going to drink when you feel like that, instead of feeling like try and sort of reframe it and feel proud that you did stop drinking, even if it was just for a few days or a week. I mean, there was a lady on Copper who I was talking to, Vic, who had done it for three months and started drinking. She was beating herself up and I was like you've just not drunk for three months that's bloody amazing you've proved to yourself that you can do it so get your head around it and do it again and make it longer next time yeah get back on that horse and you're doing your body loads of favors if you didn't drink for even a week then you've given your body a break so be proud of yourself for what you did rather than feel really guilty and hating yourself for not managing to keep it up Mm. um in, you know, if, if you can't do it, if you keep relapsing over and over again, it is a sign that you have maybe got an issue with alcohol because you just can't stay off of it. And maybe that is going to give you the significance you need to make an appointment with a doctor and say, I can't stop drinking. Even when I try, I go back to it. Use your time 
um, having not drunk and then starting again as a lesson. So say to yourself, what worked about that? How was I able to stay off it for, say, three months? What went wrong and why did I start drinking again? And once you know what happened there, when you have another go, you can use those those the things that happened to make it work better next time. Um, and know that you don't need to go headlong into binge drinking again. Like we were saying, Vic, you can just say, okay, I've had a drink. Mm. I shouldn't have had one. Yes, I have got to put my counter back to one, but I'm just going to get straight back onto the sobriety path. You don't need to really go and have a massive bender because you relapsed. It doesn't have to be like that. Yeah, because I guess the shame and you feel that whole woe is me sort of emotion, exactly. don't you? So it's, it's a terrible you know, woe combination. Is me. I've had a drink. Well, now I've had one. I may as well just fuck my life up because I'm a waste of time yes, and nobody I'm trusts a me anymore. I'm a failure. And I could see how that could spiral into you getting more and more and more drunk on a daily basis. That's, that's Of course, of it's course, a terrible combination. Terrible combination, the shame plus the alcohol. And, but if you just see it as that blip, yes. which is a possibility, you could just snap out of it and go, right, that was fucking stupid. Let's start again. Learn from it and move on. And of course, know that you're human and that alcohol is an addictive substance. It's a real battle that it's you're fighting. Real. Yep. Yep. So if you do have a relapse, I think it's good to remember that every day is a new opportunity. You can start afresh. That sun is going to rise like it always does. And that is going to be your opportunity to start over again. And as Lucy said, use it as a lesson. Everything you've learned in that relapse is what's going to keep you stronger for the next time. And hopefully there won't be a next time, of course. So you have to try and move on emotionally from it. Separate it, compartmentalize it in the brain. Say, like, I've done this and now I'm not going to do it again. The other thing is that it's a good idea to, of course, attend therapy, which we will always say, and keep your mind occupied in other ways with creative endeavours and walks and things like that. Even holistic treatments might work. Oils, massage, anything that helps you relax. So it's just taking a distraction again and, and understanding that it's not the end of the world and you can do other things that are going to make you feel better. Write it down how you're feeling this relapse I think that's a really good point we often say make a diary but write down why did you relapse why are you not going to do it again make a diary on cuppa you mean share a post about your about your relapse and say look I've done this I don't know why and can anybody help and can any make give me some pointers of of how I don't do this again that'd be a really good thing to do um is there anything going on that's undiagnosed you could go to the doctor and find out that you're suffering from depression and of course that's going to make you want to relapse so so just go and discover you've got to look inside and outside to find out what's going on with you and why you're wanting to relapse um, and you must say goodbye to those realistic expectations this is going to be your sobriety your way so if some people relapse and some people don't it doesn't matter what those people do this is going to be your journey and it's going to be your heart that you have to listen to and know what you're doing is right you've got to learn to trust yourself in sobriety because that was the one thing I never could do when I was a drinker was to trust myself because I never could I always used to go out with good intentions and end up passed out under you know some car somewhere or you know all these awful things and I never trusted myself but in sobriety you can and trusting your heart and knowing that you're doing the right thing is what's going to help you avoid it yeah so I do meet a lot of people, of course, in this this game. I mean, you know, I have... In Kmart. In Kmart and the cafes. I, You know, I do a lot of sober meetups and events and things. And I do meet a lot of people that are constantly relapsing, Lucy. 
And for me, I do find it quite hard because I don't know what to say to them sometimes. Like they feel like it's just going to be this never ending battle. But what I do know is that some people relapse a lot and then suddenly it clicks, can be for no reason or many reasons Mm -hmm. at all. So I think it's important to say don't give up. Even if you are relapsing and this does feel like that uphill slog, there is going to be a point where you've just fucking had enough of that, like you and I with moderation. There will be a point where you're just over it, won't there? Um, so you might need a different recovery option is what I'm saying. If something's not working for you and you keep relapsing, you need to try something else, whether that's a different type of therapy, a different group of friends, you know, even if you need to go to AA, whatever you need to do, you might need to change it. And that's what we're saying is like whatever works for you to stop those relapses happening. Yeah. Yeah. So the the humiliation that surrounds relapse can be really harming. We do it to ourselves, yet we hate what we do. Being stuck in a habit of quitting and restarting will make you feel really shitty. And then each relapse might be worse than the last. So the best thing to do is just stick to sobriety. Don't let the thought of relapse win. It does not have a part in this if you don't let it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And also there's a good point here, Lucy, is that if you don't like the word relapse, for me, that sounds very serious, doesn't it? Yes, it it does. You can use the word blip or an error or a hurdle or a glitch or a hiccup or a judder (laughs) or whatever you want to do. You don't have to use those labels like, well, you know, Lucy likes the word alcoholic, I don't. But then she wasn't alcoholic, I wasn't. Uh, I knew that was coming. No, I was. I was, I admit it. Yeah. Or, or, or are you still yes. once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic? Yeah, I there, don't that's know. Another, that's another chat I'm so curious, Lucy. I'm so curious. Um, yeah, so all of this stuff is, you, you can just change it to, so it works for you. All is not lost. Just keep going. And if you don't want those words to be part of your vocabulary, they don't have to be. Yeah, I mean, relapse is not a good thing. We don't want you to have a relapse. So this chat is about saying, if you do, this is the way to handle it. Um, and this is the way to maybe get sober again quick afterwards rather than faff around, carrying on drinking, spiralling down, hating yourself. Mm. Just, you know, that is it. You relapsed, you had a blip or whatever it was, or a hiccup or a judder. Mm. And now you're just going to get on with where you were, where you, were you know, Back onto the sober bus. Yeah. That's a happy place Stop to be. Stop faffing is Lucy's advice. Stop faffing Stop around. faffing. Get on the bus. <laughs> Got some top tips quickly. Avoid relapse by getting the support you need. Our podcast and cuppa.community are here to prop up your sobriety and run alongside professional support. Be that AA therapy, your local doctor, psychiatrist, sobriety courses, whatever you choose, don't be shy to reach out for help before those relapses happen. Yeah, before. That's key, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Try not to feel sad about having to put your little counter back to zero, even though it is quite sad. Even though it is quite sad, You can do it. The point is that you did 20 days or a year or five years and you've proved that you can be sober. So just get back on the horse and do what you did before. Ride it, cowgirl. Did you put that in to take the piss? I knew you wouldn't want to read that out. Ride it, cowgirl. That's how you're supposed to do it. Ride it, cowgirl. (laughs) You knew I would hate it. It It, sort of sounded sexy when you said it. It wasn't there earlier. You put it in to take the piss. I might have done, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Relapse is not failure. It's a blick a hiccup, or a hiccup. Think of it like spilt milk. There is no point crying over it. That will make you feel worse. Get a smelly dishcloth out of the sink and clean it up and move on. Nobody is perfect. Relapse is a lesson, a point of reference to make sure it doesn't happen again. And if it does, well, now you have lots of useful experience and probably a few new dishcloths. <laughs> For most people, relapses are part of the recovery journey. It's a common stumbling block during the recovery process and does not mean that you should give up on becoming sober. One third of people trying to stop have a wobble and you are one of many. But what we will say is please don't use the stats as an excuse to drink and think everyone relapses, so I might too. No. Overall, if you can, it's better if you keep stepping forward rather than falling backwards. I find those stats unbelievable. Yeah, you think it's more than that, do you? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that too. I don't know where I got... I always get dodgy stats, though, from all over the place. Yeah. I'll just I'd pull like them out of your source. My bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I pull yes. them out of my bottom, Lucy. Well, only one third of people... I would say it's more like two thirds, wouldn't you? Definitely. I think you probably tapped it out wrong on the computer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I was looking at. Don't trust anything we say. <laughs> stay active. Enjoy positive pastimes. Go out. Don't stay home alone, Lucy. Mm. Meet people. Step out of the comfort zone because if you're thinking about drinking again, you're alone and in your own head, it will creep up on you. Distraction is key. But stay at home alone if you enjoy it like I do. Well, of course, there's nothing yeah, Don't feel you've got to go out yeah. just because... That's what we're telling you to do. In fact, as we say, don't listen to anything we suggest. Though <laughs> <laughs> we have, we are sober though, so and we haven't relapsed. So do listen to some of what we've said. Yes. Take it with a pinch of salt. Yeah. Uh, finding a higher purpose in life is a great goal. If your drinking has made you feel worthless in the past or made you feel shame. Do something with those feelings. You now have experience that could help someone else. Write a blog post about it. Share an article on Cuppa about how you feel. Turn your story into a tool to help others, knowing your experiences um, have worth and they might just switch off any feelings of drinking again. Yeah, that's really good. I always found that writing, when I gave up drinking, writing was my outlet and yeah. that was really well, the key. Book. Well, yeah, I sent off my final edit of my yeah. book to my uh, to my agent today, so you never know, you might read more about the adventures of my vagina quite soon. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, how exciting. <laughs> it was quite an adventure, I can tell you. Um, try not to feel bad. Over drinkers and alcoholics, grey area drinkers, binge drinkers, party girls, party boys, whatever we are or have been, don't allow your past to infiltrate who you are now. You are not alcohol anymore. It's no longer raining over you, hopefully. You are the authentic you. The past has melted away like a marshmallow in a hot chocolate. Show the world what they've been missing all these years and don't look back. Mm, marshmallow, hot chocolate. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm rubbing, I'm rubbing the top of my legs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, marshmallow and a hot chocolate. Oh, lovely. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> anyway, we do have a quote. <laughs> oh, go on. 
I am not defined by my relapses, <laughs> but by my decision to remain in recovery despite them, yes. which is a really, really brilliant quote for people who relapse because that's when your real strength comes out, isn't it? If you relapse and you have to sort of pull up your big girl pants, as they say over here in Australia, yep. and, uh, and get on with it and get sober again. And that is uh, that, that gives you strength. Every yeah. time. Our challenges are what gives us strength. I'm going to read it again, actually, Lucy. Go on. I am not defined by my relapses, but my decision to remain in recovery despite them. Oh, oh it's a good one. Oh, yeah. Lovely quote. Oh, yeah. Dippies in my chocolate. Oh, yes. We make it out of here. I was going to do a book, but my book, I didn't, I hadn't read it, so I didn't bother. <laughs> but what I did want to recommend is why I was in Kmart, actually, Lucy, is they've got these little $10 books that they're selling in there at the moment. It's called a five-year, one-line-a-day memory book. Um, and you can just write, well, obviously, I don't need to explain it to you because I've just pretty much explained it to you. But I've been writing things I'm grateful for, funny things that my kids say in there. And it's for five years and you can write a line a day for five years and it's just got it all set out really well in there. And I just thought it'd be really helpful for some people. We've talked about writing a diary. And just to look back and remind us of all of these things that you've done since you started your sober path. I think it's a really good thing. They're only 10 bucks and they're in Kmart at the moment. So definitely go and get one of those. You've just got to love Kmart, hasn't you? Got to love it, yeah. God, we should get there. People advertise we advertise all these products all products <laughs> all these lovely products <laughs> oh god what we i think we better go i'm gonna get one of those kmart diaries. you've sold it to me i sold it to you they yeah. go look, i need to get paid by kmart then i'm gonna phone them up we've gone 40, on and people. on about they're gonna sell forty thousand of those bloody books now <laughs> and they're gonna you. owe me money yeah wankers bloody wankers kmart <laughs> oh kmart <laughs> Oh dear. I think we better go. I think we better go, yeah. Go and, go and find an ice cream. Thank you for listening to the Sober Awkward podcast. If alcohol is affecting your life in a negative way, if you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for help. Contact your local doctor, a therapist, or connect with your local AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one. Yes, go onto Facebook and just search Drunk Mummy, Sober Mummy, the group. Lucy and I both agree that even though this journey can be awkward, it's definitely worth it. And if we can do it, you can too. For more support on sobriety, head to Vic's website, drunkmummysobermummy.com. And Lucy runs an online space to support and inspire single mums. Find out more at beanstalkmums.com.au. Finally, if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to follow, subscribe, review and share it with your mates. Don't make it sound like they have to, though. No, they do have to. I'm not doing all this for nothing. Actually. No.